0: Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week two of our series entitled How to Be Rich, and we are also taking time this week to celebrate and honor our veterans. The Reverend Dr. John Guest is joining us today to lead us in both of these celebrations. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. I want to be rich. I first heard that when Pastor Jared sort of set out this series But what I heard in my head was, I want to get rich. Did that happen to you? Then Pastor Jared preached last week that we are rich. Did he say that over this side? You are rich. We are rich. In fact, to add to that thought, we are... In the top 1% of all people, you and me, are in the top 1% of wealth throughout the whole of history, people to people. Get it? We are rich, us, here. So we've got rich people's problems. I thought that was cool too. <laughs> You know, so whether the thermostat really works and turns the heat on, that's a rich person's problem. That you've got a heater and a thermostat getting your car out this morning. Do you guys have, now it's gotten cold, some of you have got a little gizmo that turns the car on from inside the house? Gets the heater going? That's a rich person's problem. When it doesn't work. Etc. We are rich. That you can sit in this church, air-conditioned in the summer, warm in the winter, plowed when it gets snowy, somewhere to park your car or cars. Because some of you came in more than one car, like my wife and me. We are rich. But how do you connect with the reality when you sort of get used to the way things are. I mean, as I was watching the vets thing, the the, the film that we saw, I don't know how you connect, some of you younger people especially, to the vets. I connect intensely. Because I was living in London in an air raid shelter when you sent the American troops over to help set us free from the anticipation of German-Nazi occupation in England. They were 11 miles away, just the other side of the English Channel. They walked right through Belgium, Holland and France. They were on our doorstep. And the USA came to our aid. And my first experience of Americans was American soldiers, sailors and airmen on the streets of England. And I have to say one more time around, thank you. Thank you for coming to our aid. I can tell you in all sincerity and reality, both, that I would not be here if you had not come to our aid. Might even be speaking German. Johann Spandrei Katzen vorn und Schimmel nach hinten und I'd be speaking German. Thank you. And for some of you younger people, it's hard to really get the vets thing. Let me read this to you. What I want to do is connect with you really. Not just stand up here and make a speech and say things. I'm going to pray that Jesus walks amongst us in just a minute. And that he visits with you personally. And speaks to you as if you were the only person sitting here in church. Because that he has the power to do that by his spirit, come and speak exactly to you on what you need to hear. But listen to this: it is the veteran, not the preacher, who gives us freedom of religion. It is the veteran, not the reporter, who gives us freedom of the press. It is the veteran, not the poet, who gives us the freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the campus organizer, who gives us the freedom to assemble. It is the veteran, not the lawyer, who gives us the right to a fair trial. And above all else, it is the veteran, not the politician who gives you the right to vote. It is the veteran who salutes the flag, who serves the flag, and whose coffin is draped by the flag, who gives the protester the freedom to protest the flag. It's the veteran. Do you connect with any of that? it's one thing to have something in your head and let it travel down and really touch your being, your heart how you respond and so when we come to talk about being rich it's the same deal to be rich, which we are for me to be able to connect with you and talk with you about what that really looks like. I've lost my notes here. What happened? There they are. Thank you. You didn't think I used notes, did you? <laughs> uh-huh. See? I have notes. I was in trouble if I didn't bring them to the pulpit. To be rich, which we all are, and the, the issue with that is <clears throat> we didn't all start out where we were or are. When I got married, for instance, to Kathleen 50 years ago this month, when we came back off our honeymoon, we didn't have a bed to sleep in together. Really. I'm amazed that couples today want a whole house with all the furniture, everything in place, kitchen... And so they kind of shack up for two or three or four years until they've got it all together and then get married, like they want to walk into a palace married. At least that's giving them the benefit of the doubt of not just shacking up to have sex. Kathy and I did not have sex before we were married. Thank you, Jesus. But 50 years of sex has been plenty, let me tell you. (laughs) That's all the married people who are applauding. <laughs> all you sex-hungry students are saying, what's that about? <laughs> but you should see where we live now. See what happens is, in this, the book, I encourage you to get your hands on that book about being rich. How to be rich. because and it's just a little book it's an easy read he speaks about having become followers of jesus as life goes on becoming more and more wealthy with more, owning more and more And your trust and confidence moving from, migrating is the word he uses, migrating from trusting the Lord to trusting in the security that your wealth provides. And he gives illustrations of that. But that's something we all battle, and including Kathy and me. I long for for those early simple days when somebody gave us a mattress. (laughs) And then a spring and some bed ends to put it on. And then a couple of end tables. I'll tell you this. Back in those days, we tithed. When we had, relatively speaking, next to nothing, and my salary was the primary salary, Kathy did some sort of odds and ends, school teaching and stuff. We always tithe. Tithe is 10% off the top. we still do and still have and more besides nowadays and we've never wanted for anything when we got married we were happy to have each other I couldn't believe that the Lord had kept Kathy for me I still can't believe it 50 years afterwards that somebody didn't snap her up and marry her So that when I came around, she was available. And within six months of meeting her, I'd married her. Wasn't going to let that one get away. So our children and grandchildren and all that they have, it's astounding. I'm telling you that because we sense with most of you, the drift from putting our confidence In God, to putting it in the security that money provides. Health plans, rich people's problem. So I want to encourage you along with myself to get back to that innocence of our relationship to the Lord. That kind of early naivete where we trusted him for everything. Talk to him about just the simple provisions of life. What we were going to do with our lives at the front end of our marriage. That that Lord that we loved and saved us for each other. Be paramount in our lives today. To trust him. Live with him. Do it for him. Whatever it is. If you turn to page 2 in your service sheet, the passage that's set before us to talk about this, at least for this week, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 6, and the first thing is this, to be thoughtful, that is to bring our intellect, who we are, our intuition, our dreams... Still dreaming about the future. I'm still dreaming about the future. My wife with me and praying about our future. To bring our mind to that, to be thoughtful. That's what's implicit when in verse six, that first verse we read, it says this Remember this, remember. In other words, bring that mind into focus. And remember, and he speaks about a business principle. This is all in the context of giving. So he's not talking about farming here when he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. (laughs) He's taking an agricultural illustration But today, he could say, whoever invests frugally in the market will only reap return, get a frugal return. The only hope of a generous, vast return is to introduce to your mindset and planning a large investment. There's no guarantee that your large investment gives you a large return. But there's one thing that's absolutely guaranteed... That a meager investment can never give you a great return. It will always be meager. Now he's using that in terms of what you do with your life, your gifts, your resources. This is purely an illustration. Because none of you are farmers. You're not counting out your seeds. You're not scattering it, watering it, and all that stuff. You know, there is that line that the, the Lord owns a cattle on a thousand hills big deal my lord owns the banks in a thousand cities that's what he's saying same idea so stop talking about cattle on hills will you talk about banks in cities he owns them You want a generous spiritual, emotional, worthwhile, life worthwhile return on who you are and what you have, invest it in the Lord and his work. The Bible says clearly, and it's Jesus who taught it, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what's the rest of it? everything else will be added to you. To trust him for that. When Kathy and I tithed in those early days, we were trusting him for that. And when I became a pastor in Swickley, a rich town, I mean, we had the chairman of the boards of major corporations in the city in our church and on our church board. And several years in, Having checked out their giving, I realized that Kathy and I, their poor little pastors, were among the top ten givers of the church. So I went to the board meeting when I found that out and said, do you know what, Kathy and I are in the top ten givers in the church. I was telling them that because they needed to up the ante on their giving because they were in leadership they were the parish council wasn't this church I haven't checked out this church recently (laughs) do you know what they said that only goes to show we're paying you too much (laughs) now they said that tongue in cheek they knew that wasn't the truth they knew what they were paying me they knew what they had but they were being cute. They were quick. They were quick on their feet, intellectual. Intellectually, we're giving you too much. And everybody laughed because they knew it was a joke. But the joke was really on them. What I'm saying to you is put your mind to it. Realize, as you look, that what you invest with your life in what God has given to you how you use that and manage that determines what kind of a return you're really going to get with your life if you look at verse 7 behind these words you can see that they've made a plan listen to these words each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give in other words they would made a plan they would put their minds to it and come up with what they planned on giving. In fact, listen to these words. You don't have these in your service sheet, but verse 5 of that same chapter, in other words, the preceding verse, says this. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance, and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised they made plans and promises and pledges in effect as to what they were going to give they put their mind to it they looked at their wealth and they said this is, and by the way corinth was like the financial capital of greece in those days very rich country they'd put their mind to it and they'd made a plan do the same Make a plan. And my challenge to you is this to invest intellectually, thought process, taking time to look at what you have, and making a decision about what you are going to commit to the Lord's work here at Christ Church. I'll put that all right there in front of you. Don't just do it, not an emotional response. Not a dollar in the plate when it comes by, or five, or ten, or twenty, or fifty, or whatever. Make a plan. Sign up on your plan. And then follow through on your plan. Put as much, and this is the challenge, about your whole life, not just about this week, coming up, and this campaign. Your life to put as much energy into what you do with who you are and what your resources for the kingdom of god as you do for your home, your family, your career, your vacations or whatever else. My life changed when I came to the USA and the guy who came to meet me in New York City at the Kennedy Airport was what every Englishman thinks all Americans are. Loud Aggressive and somewhat obnoxious. I've become an American. Loud, aggressive, somewhat obnoxious. Not really. This guy, it was 1964, so that's like antiquity. He had a brand new 1964 Chevy Impala. You would love to have one of those today. It was about as wide as from me to the edge of the platform. And he kind of slouched in the front seat, bench seat, driving with one hand, carrying on a conversation with me which seemed like about a half a football field away. And he starts quizzing me about which Bible I preach from. He knew theology. He started discussing the virgin birth with me. This is from New York to Philadelphia. He had a point of view on that because a lot of liberals were casting doubt, and even in some of the translations in the Bibles, talk about it being a young woman rather than a virgin to soften the impact of Christ being born of a virgin. Because all kinds of young women get pregnant, sexually pregnant. Mary got miraculously pregnant and was a virgin. So he wanted to know what I thought of that. We, and he was loud and aggressive and obnoxious. He was after me. And I was this, not exactly limp wristed, but I was this well mannered, cultured Englishman. And he's coming at me. And I tell you what, he went about his business with the same energy as he was expressing in that car about his Christian faith. Turn that around. He was as earnest about his Christian faith as he was about his business. That changed my life. changed my ministry. Rather than me just playing church, I was looking for warriors who were willing to take on the world. Came to Pittsburgh in order that Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh become as famous for God as it is for steel. We're still after it. To get behind people like Pastor Ed Glover. Living on the north side. With his wife and kids. The urban impact. To be invested with this church. And the people here. And the leadership here. Who can make a difference in this world of ours. You guys have got leadership power. Leadership training. Leadership instincts. Are you using any of it for Jesus? Or is it all about you? Your career? Your home, your retirement, your wealth, your comfort, your vacation, your kids' education. To see it all as his. All of it. It's all his. Put your mind around that. Second, first thoughtful, second faithful. God has insinuated into these verses massive promises. Let me take you through the text. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Abound is where abundant comes from. Abundant is like pressed down, pouring over. Not miserly, not meagerly. All grace abound to you so that in all things, listen to these words, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And then it goes on to speak about God, quoting the scriptures here, as even scattering gifts to the poor. I'll come back to that. And now he, look at this, verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. He's not talking about farming. And will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Righteousness. And the closing statement of the reading. And you will be rich in every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Implicit, as I've said. Inserted emotionally into this text. Is God's promise to us. That when we invest in Him and His work with all that we are, bring our mind to the resources we have, and manage and direct them according to His plans for our lives, we can't outgive Him. My wife says to me all the time, We can't outgive God. People come trying to give us money. I was on the phone this week with a guy. Who is a multimillionaire? And I didn't call up to ask him for money. He's a friend. So we're chit-chatting at the end of our conversation. He said, is there anything you need? What can I send you? Well, I quickly computed. Wow, he's offering me money. What shall I ask him for? You know, you... (laughs) what shall I ask him for? I said, I'll send you an email. (laughs) And God got between me and the thought of what's he going to give me. And I said, look, I'm working for Pastor Ed Glover. I'm trying to raise $10 million for him. Whatever money you've got to give away at the end of the year, give it to them. It's going to get doubled. I haven't heard back yet. But I'm expecting a check made out to Urban Impact. Let me tell you this, and and again, I'm not bragging in any of this. You can't outgive God. Some of you have been to our home. It's hardly credible that I live in the house I live in, have raised and educated the kids that we have, with my wife, of course. It's astounding. Somebody of wealth, multimillionaire, when he died, left Kathy and me a million plus, a million and one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. That was fun to get that check. (laughs) Implicit in his leaving it to me was that I invested in ministry. Kathy and I gave it all, every penny of it, to Christ church. Because we were two million dollars short in being able to build this plant. So I said to the congregation, somebody sent me this money, I'll give it to you if your pledge is much against it. In other words, double it, and then we can build the church that we have. That sounded like a good idea. To them so they made the commitment and we have the church but I tell you this what God has given to Kathy and me we're not millionaires but we live the most I wish you could live the amazing lives we live really you can't outgive God Are you willing to trust him? Because that's the issue, to be faithful to him like in the old days when you didn't have the two pennies to rub together. To trust him. And use your resources. Because rich people have problems like if you've got a lot of money, you don't want to lose it. That's a rich person's problem. What are you doing with your wealth? I hate the thought that you are saving it up for retirement. Give me a break. And what will you do with your retirement? Play golf? Travel to Florida for the winter? Do you know how bored those people are down there? I spent five winter seasons being chaplain to a very rich club down there, till leadership at the church here called me back on a rescue mission. Some of you don't know anything about that. But I can tell you, I would rather be here hanging out with you than playing golf with multimillionaires in a club down in Florida. It's a bore. And some of you are sitting there thinking, bore me, bore me. (laughs) (laughs) Retirement is not in our picture. I'm now 81, looking at 82 next year, and I am not retired. (coughs) I'm heavily invested with my mind, my friendships and associations and leadership. What are you doing with your life? And the last little note, which is really a big one, thoughtful, faithful, joyful. You noted that little line in there that God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give as under obligation or compulsion But give joyfully because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. To give God pleasure. To get him excited about what's going on in your life. When you sort of eke it out meagerly. Because what it amounts to is you find out in your heart and your head that what you're planning is giving as little as you can. Respectably. That's how we work it when it's all about us. When it's all about him, we want to pass on and invest in his work as much as we possibly can. To give joyfully. Now that's a miracle. God has to give you a spirit of grace and generosity. And that's as much a gift as your ability to think. You can change your attitude. Ask him to change your attitude. My wife would give it all away. She's dragging me behind her into a generous lifestyle. Has done all our lives. She laughs about this. She she used to go into the bank where we put our earnings every couple of weeks. And the lady behind the counter, the banker said, you are always so happy. To which Kathy said, what's not to be happy about? He makes it. I spend it. (laughs) There's a bunch of jest in that too. But that's her spirit. To be a joyful giver. God can change your heart. Instead of being a meager, miserly, careful, plotting, how little can I give, how much can I give, and in what spirit can I give it? to give God pleasure, as well as meet whatever the opportunities are. There is a verse in the previous chapter. Listen to these words and I'll finish. I promise. Listen to this. The Macedonians were northern and they didn't have the kind of wealth in, in, in Greece that was there in Athens and Corinth. So the Macedonians, that's the northern part of Greece... It says of them that out of the inmost severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, it all welled up to rich generosity. For I testify, and this is Paul speaking right here, that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. And they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Paul was taking up an offering for the people who were desperately poor in Jerusalem, the mother church. In a Jewish community, when you began to believe in Jesus as the Messiah... Whatever business you had, support and family, you lost it all. So you had poverty stricken people in Jerusalem. The Christians, followers of Jesus the Messiah. And Paul one of them, Jewish educated was here amongst the Gentiles taking up an offering for the Jews in Jerusalem. That's what the deal was. But they were poverty stricken and under oppressive resistance by the secular community but they gave generously and wanted to give more and pled for the opportunity to do so because they were joyful they gave joyfully overflowing in joy it says did i mention to you that the word joy in greek or even as it's here cheerful is a very weak translation It's hilarion, the word from which we get in English, hilarious. Or the name Hillary. Overbounding. How about some hilarity in your charity? That's got a ring to it. (laughs) To be hilarious, joyful, givers. There's a little lad in church, turned up in church... And when the plate came around, it was his first time in church, and he'd heard the sermon. In that church, they always had the sermon first to inspire people in their giving after. I think we do it the wrong way around here. Anyway, in that church, this lad, when he saw the plate coming around, he thought they were actually giving out money at first. <laughs> until it got to him, and he realized as he came along his road, they were putting money in. When the basket came to him, he had nothing to put in. Do you know what he did? He put it on the ground and got in the basket. And gave himself. That's what we need to do. Not tip God. That would be 20%. Not tip God. Give him who you are and the rest flows out of that have you done that see the deal is like me you have migrated from trusting the Lord and his promises to trusting the security of the wealth you've accumulated let's get back to him get in the basket give it all to him start there let's pray Lord Jesus, thank you for the, the very fact that you stepped down from the glory of heaven to reach a miserable, screwed up sinner like me, died in agony, pouring out your precious, precious, precious life blood in death on a cross for me. Thank you. How could that be that you would love me like that? So right now, Lord, I give myself back to you. I give my wife to you, my kids, our home, our income, our savings, our investments. It's all yours. You direct us, Lord. Help us, Kathy and me, to trust you like we did in those early days when we had absolutely nothing to trust you and thank you Lord that all along the way we have found you faithful to your promises thank you for the immense blessing of our lives and even as I've prayed that for myself and my wife Lord I've prayed it for the dear friends families here this morning give them the grace to surrender to you to surrender all to you joyfully gladly magnificently we pray in your name Lord Jesus Amen